Hello, this is Congressman Jim Clyburn, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Clyburn Chronicles. I've always been a lover of history. I see this platform as a way to connect history with the politics of today. This is so important because as Judge Santiano once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Each episode, my guest and I will have a conversation about the lessons of the past, the politics of the present, and how we must learn from those experiences to help shape the future. Thank you for taking time to listen, and welcome to Clyburn Chronicles. Welcome to another edition of Clyburn Chronicles. This is a special one today, not just because it's uh, Black History Month, but this is a especially uh, important and uh, I might say sort of special to me because I'm having a day with my grandson, uh, Walter A. Clyburn Reed. Uh, AC, as we called him, uh, was my very first grand. He's now 25 years old? 26. Uh, 26. Uh, And um, has become very active uh, in uh, political circles. Uh, He graduated uh, from, uh, I guess, Richland Northeast High School here in Columbia, where we both are now. Uh, and um, uh, coastal Carolina, uh, down in the, uh, near Myrtle Beach. I always wondered why he went to coastal Carolina, whether or not he was going to get an education or to hang out uh, on Myrtle Beach. Uh, I think he probably did a little bit of both because uh, on more than one occasion, I went into the area uh, and could not find him. Uh, <laughs> But I did get there for his graduation, and he showed up, uh, and I was very honored when the president of Coastal Carolina allowed me uh, to be on the stage with him during that graduation, and allowed me to hand AC uh, his his degree. Uh, So AC, uh, last year, became very active politically. And as many people know, uh, I was pretty active. Uh, I had um, uh, endorsed uh, Joe Biden uh, to be president of the United States. Uh, But prior to that endorsement, uh, AC informed me uh, that he was going to be pretty active in the campaign himself. I was kind of proud of that because it was pretty generally known uh, that I was uh, favorable toward uh, Joe Biden. And I kind of thought uh, that he would be coming to help me. No, he had other ideas. He told me that he uh, and his fiance, uh, Kashmir, had decided that both of them would be active in the campaign, but they wanted to be 
uh, in the campaign of Pete Buttigieg. Um, well, you know, some people might be disappointed by that, but I wasn't. I was a little bit about him and that decision, uh, like my dad was toward me, when I decided that I was not going to go into the ministry. My father, as many of you know, was a minister. He invited me uh, often to travel with him uh, as he ran around the state doing his ministry. And we often talked about me following him into the ministry. But then when I decided not to go to the seminary and I told my dad uh, that I didn't think I was going to do as we talked about so often, uh, follow him into the ministry. My dad said to me on that occasion, well, son, he said, I suspect the world would much rather see a sermon than to hear one. And that's the way I felt uh, about AC when he told me that we would not be on the same team uh, in the president's election uh, last year. I was very pleased that he was involved. And that's what I say to young people all the time. Follow your heart. Get involved. Don't give up. Find something to do for which you're not paid. Don't get involved in politics to try to make a living. That's not why you get involved. You get involved in politics, hopefully, uh, to help pursue an agenda and to support that person that you think would best articulate that agenda, not to try to make a living. That is something you ought to be doing uh, for which you're not uh, paid. There's nothing wrong with getting paid to work in politics. Uh, if you work for a candidate, you're on the staff, you are supposed to be paid, but that should not be your motivation. You should be motivated uh, by the platform of the candidate and the views expressed by the candidate and how you emotionally uh, get attached to that. So that's the way it was with me in, in AC. But as I turn to AC, I want to share all of you, uh, with all of you to share what I said to him. Uh, once we got pretty involved in the campaign, because AC is also my neighbor. Uh, we live on the same street, uh, across from each other. And one day as we were leaving, he and Kashmir going out to work uh, in the campaign for Pete Buttigieg. And uh, I was uh, doing my thing for Joe Biden uh, I encountered them that morning. I said to them, now, AC, uh, when you were growing up, I never spanked you, but I'm going to give you a good spanking uh, in this campaign. Uh, I uh, made that promise to him. I kept that promise. Joe Biden is now president of the United States, but he got a prize as well, because Pete Buttigieg is now the Secretary of Transportation, which is the committee that I served on when I first got to Congress. And with us about to tee up this big infrastructure package, key to that infrastructure package is going to be the Secretary of Transportation. And so AC 
got the uh, consolation prize. Uh, maybe the next time out, he'll get the big thing. So with that, I want to welcome AC to Clyburn Chronicles. And we're going to talk a little bit about what Black history means to him. And I'll share with what Black History Month means to me. And we'll talk a little bit uh, about this grandfather to grandson relationship. AC? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Um, well, I, I will say that uh, this is a uh, supreme honor uh, to be on the Clyburn Chronicles with you. I know uh, when you talked about having a podcast, um, I fully uh, supported it. I never thought that I would, you know, have the honor of being on. So this is this is a good day. Um, you took my story. I wanted to talk about it because I do remember that two weeks before um, you decided, uh, two weeks before your announcement um, to endorse Joe Biden, I, I remember that day. And I play it back over and over again because that was probably one of the funniest moments I've ever had. Um, when you said I never spanked you when you were little, um, but two weeks from now, you know you'll you'll receive your due. And I, I remember responding in a colorful manner um, right back to you, and I remember you busting out laughing. Um, in front of your details. So I, I still play that back in my head over and over again. Um, and I remember about um, when you told me about uh, the story with your, your father in ministry, I, you told me that debate night in Charleston, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, that was another huge moment for me that I always play back to as well as, as you know, saying that I've always wanted to to following your footsteps, but I've always wanted to create my own path. And the fact that you've been, you know, very supportive of that, um, it means the world to me. Um, so to tell me a story of how you too, at a, as a young young man, did the same um, is, is a very big deal for me. Um, but to sit on here and to, and to talk with you about Black history, um, as I stand in front of uh, Black history itself, um, it, 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 it's, um, it's an honor. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, thank you for uh, really for being here. I, um, uh, let's set the stage a little bit uh, mm -hmm. for our listeners here today. I, uh, I noticed uh, we are both doing this by video. Uh, AC is in his home. I'm in mine uh, behind me or pictures of his grandmother, his late grandmother, uh, his aunts and my uh, three daughters. Uh, and a little statue uh, uh, is called I Am A Man, a statue that comes out of, um, uh, of an effort in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, back uh, in April, or was that uh, 1968? Uh, when Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, lost his life in support of garbage workers. And I noticed that behind you uh, is a picture uh, of Martin Luther King Jr. And you said that um, that is your favorite picture of King. 
And quite frankly, I didn't say anything when you told me that, but um, it was always mine. Uh, just a great, great picture. Uh, the facial expression on King at the time, you, you wonder uh, how one could have uh, such an expression with the kind of work he was in. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you've done much uh, study of King, but and I don't know if I've ever shared with you the day I first met King. It was in October 1960, the same day I met John Lewis. Uh, I met John Lewis uh, that earlier that weekend, maybe been the day before, uh, and um, we were having some disagreements. Those of us who were students were in what was known as the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and we saw things one way. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, saw things a little differently, uh, and we were trying to reconcile those differences. Uh, and we invited King to come meet with us, and he did, uh, so that we could have a discussion about uh, the approaches we were taking. Uh, King agreed to meet with us for about an hour. We met around 10 o'clock in the evening. We didn't leave that room until the, around 4 o'clock the next morning. And I came out of that room a changed person. And King had a profound impact on me. Uh, and I'm glad to see that you uh, are uh, recognizing his importance uh, to this overall effort. Uh, tell me a little bit about what that picture uh, means to you that you've got there prominently displayed in your home. Um, the reason why um, I have this, this picture uh, in my house and we'll, we'll have it up for quite some time is because it shows kind of the two differing opinions of where the civil rights movement uh, needed to go in order to achieve uh, equal rights. Um, and of course the picture with uh, Ma Malcolm X and um, Martin Luther King is kind of a testament to the realization uh, that they, although they both had differing opinions, um, they both wanted to meet at the same finish line, uh, which which was equal rights uh, for all. Um, and also, this conversation, I believe, moments after is when he uh, Martin Luther King started to kind of change his. Um, changed the way in which he spoke, um, talking more about, um, about poverty, talking more about um, the war in Vietnam, talking more about um, reparations and things of that nature, um, and talking more about not just the spiritual part that we need to deal with in, uh, in the United States, but also the economic part too as well. Um, so this, this means a great deal to me. And I've, I've done a bit of research on, on Martin Luther King, um, uh, especially when it came to uh, the SNCC SNCC, um, but not only that, but talking about, um, you know, kind of the, the warring factions 
uh, between SNCC and uh, people such as uh, Stokely, Carmichael, Stokely Carmichael and, and things of that nature. Um, so I've done quite a bit of research, um, looked at a lot of um, documentaries and things of that nature in, in, my, in my free time. Um, so, you know, how do I explain it? Uh, Malcolm X talked more about protecting yourself and protecting your community. And uh, Malcolm X talked more, not Malcolm X, but Martin Luther King uh, talked more about uh, non-violent non ways uh, to go about um, making change. Um, and when he talked about it, um, he talked about non-violence in a way um, that could really bring about uh, political change. It's not just getting, you know, volunteering to, to get beat up or volunteering to do this, that, and the third, um, causing harm to others. It's more of just showing that, showing the people that this is what we go through on a daily basis and kind of showing people of all walks of life um, that this, this simply isn't right. And it woke up the, the minds of millions. Um, so th this, this, uh, this picture means a lot to me um, because it shows that yes, we may not agree on how we go about particular things in order to uh, fix particular problems. But if we sit down at the table together um, and, and hash things out man to man or faction to faction, uh, we can get a lot of things done. And, and that goes to show we're not only um, in civil rights, uh, but human rights as well. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I want our listeners to really, really uh, gather something from this that can be useful and i think the fact that you've got that as your favorite picture uh showing that meeting of king and malcolm x uh a lot of times uh, uh, people think that you've got to either be with one or the other i've always like you i've always been with both of them um the, when i read king's first book which was called Stride Toward Freedom. Mm -hmm. That book I read, I think it was my junior year uh, in college. Uh, and I couldn't put the book down. It was a pretty small book, uh, but I read it in one, uh, read on through. And then Malcolm X, when his book came out, a much bigger book, but I couldn't put that book down. I read that book all through the night. I just read. Started in one Saturday morning, and I didn't finish the book until Sunday afternoon. I did not put it down. I think I might have gotten water or coffee or something, but I kept reading it. And both those books had a big, big, uh, uh, big impacts on me. Uh, and I don't think you uh, have to choose one or the other. You really look at uh, the, the times when the tactics of one may be 
a little more acceptable uh, than the tactics of the other. Uh, it was right around the time of that picture of King. It's when um, uh, one of those marches, uh, King was out there marching, Malcolm X stood up on the street corner uh, watching the march. And some news people saw him and went over to him and one of them asked Malcolm, uh, what was he doing there? And Malcolm says, I'm just here. Uh, I want to see whether or not you are going to listen to him, meaning King, or have to deal with me. That, I've never ever gotten over that. And so Malcolm himself uh, said that people had a choice. Uh, you can choose his method or, or mine. Uh, so we don't have to always agree uh, in order to uh, be agreeable. Uh, and you don't have to uh, be disagreeable when you disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the things that I have often uh, said to young people. But you mentioned something about the two of them that I want to mention here, because I'm dealing with two people doing, or really dealing with four people, but I'm doing this year's Black History Month. But two people I'm highlighting are, are Frederick Douglass uh, and Robert Smalls. Now, Frederick Douglass became a very famous guy. Uh, people all over uh, know about Frederick Douglass, uh, who was born enslaved, uh, escaped from slavery, and went up to Rochester he escaped to Rochester, New York, became a great orator. He was a big uh, leader in the women's suffra suffrage movement. Uh, in fact, a lot of people said the best speech given, given at the Niagara Falls uh, or, or Seneca Falls, I'm saying Niagara, that's NAACP, is Niagara Falls. Uh, was the speech given by um, uh, by Frederick Douglass. And so everybody knows Frederick Douglass. Uh, that's where the media was, up in the north. Few people know about Robert Smalls. Robert Smalls was born enslaved in Charleston, South Carolina. He escaped from slavery. Uh, and by stealing the Confederate ship delivered it to the Union soldiers and was rewarded with a $1,500 in cash and uh, in his freedom. Uh, he created great wealth. Uh, got elected to the South Carolina legislature and then to the United States Congress. Uh, but few people know about Robert Smalls because he stayed in the South uh, where they did not have media attention. But both of them, Robert Smalls and Frederick Douglass, met in 1862. They met with Abraham Lincoln in Washington, D.C. Uh, right after Smalls escaped from slavery. And while during the time that Lincoln was writing those two emancipation proclamations, he wrote those emancipation proclamations in 1862. Uh, there were two of them. One freed slaves in the District of Columbia that one was issued in 1862. And the other one, 
uh, freeing slaves in other slave states, which did not become effective until January 1, 1863. But on the day that Frederick Douglass met uh, with Abraham Lincoln, urging him to allow black folks to serve in the Union Army to help fight for their own freedom. Robert Smalls was with him. The two of them met with Lincoln together and they were authorized to recruit black soldiers to the Civil War. And according to one record, 168,000 uh, black people fought in that war. Uh, Frederick Douglass was doing recruitment up in the North and Robert Smalls was doing recruitment in the South. And he is credited with having recruited 40,000 Union uh, Blacks to serve in the Union Army. And the historian said it's because of those Black soldiers that the war got tilted in favor of the Union. And so it was Black folks fighting in the Union Army that made the difference in saving the Union. A few people know uh, that history, and I'm highlighting it this year, uh, and I wanted to point it out here. Because today, just last night, I know I'm dating ourselves on this uh, program because it won't be out for a while, but those of you who've been watching it, last night, the one time that the Democrats and Republicans came together uh, during this uh, Senate trial, was when the resolution was put forth to give the Congressional Gold Medal to a black guy who turned out to be the a big hero uh, of January 6th uh, when the insurrection uh, attempt uh, was made. A black guy got the Congressional Gold Medal. Uh, Robert Smalls and Frederick Douglass helped to create this union. And the black guy on January 6th was the one hero that helped to save this union. It's kind of interesting. It may have happened on January the 6th, but he got his congressional gold medal during Black History Month. Uh, that was his way of making this contribution. Nobody had ever heard of Goodman before. But like his name, Goodman, proved to be a good man. Uh, I didn't know him before, though uh, Jamie Harrison, who worked for me uh, in the Capitol, uh, is now going to be running the Democratic National Committee. Uh, Goodman's family reached out to Jamie the day after this happened, when Goodman started getting threats. They got in touch with Jamie Harrison, who then got in touch with me. Uh, and of course, um, as is my habit, I don't share uh, with the public things that are said to me in private. So, but I was glad to see Goodman get his just due. Just think about it during Black History Month. The stand up guy doing this insurrection was a black guy. Now, a white guy thought, lost his life. I attended the service there in Statuary Hall uh, that was held for him with his family. But I point that out to say, uh, black and white, 
we have to learn that we, in spite of our differences, we can uh, make commitments to do what's necessary for humankind. And that's what Black History Month ought to be about. That's what that picture is about with King and Malcolm X enjoying each other's company. Uh, and that's what we have to do today, I think, is make Black History Month mean something. Uh, make a contribution and also highlight the contributions that have been made. And that's why it's important for people like you and me, in spite of our generational differences, two generations, uh, but I do enjoy working with you and your mother, uh, trying to do what's necessary uh, to achieve the goals that we all set out to achieve. Tell me what Black History Month means to you. That's a great question. Black history to me, um, it, honestly, to me, is not a, is not just a month. It's it's every day. Um, I, I know it's it's always a, a a negative connotation to some people when they hear that Black history is American history, but that is that's the truth. That's the truth. Black history is American history and needs to be celebrated not only on February, the shortest month. Um, but every day um, because of the contributions that we have made throughout history as you as you just detailed before um, dating all the way back to you know the Civil War um, we have made contributions time and time again uh, to this nation that we love so much um, honestly no even even further than that, even before the Civil War, we've made co contributions to to a a nation that we 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 love so much and and continue to love, although we may not be treated not at all the best um, by by this this exact country um, or treated fairly. Um, so Black Black History Month to me means the world to me, um, something I look forward to every day. I'm mean, not every day, but every year. Um, but in terms of the black history I celebrate, I do that, I do that every day um, and, and will continue to do so. Um, and I know you, you talked about January 1st, 1863. Uh, when we were we were free, um, yes, we were we were free, but not free to thrive, um, and and that that's one thing that I think that um, Martin Luther King really talked about. He was a you know a big historian too, like yourself, um, when he talked about yes, you know we were free to walk around and do this, that, and the third, but we weren't free to, you know, buy things or, or free to to thrive in a particular fashion um, that would help our, our friends and our family. And now, you know, all the way until now, we're experiencing a ever-increasing uh, racial wage gap 
um, that I, I hope that um, the highest office in the land will, will you know, do something about in, in terms of, of uh, closing that divide. Because although there's, there's a divide um, in terms of how we look at each other and treat each other, there's also divide in, in how we're able to uh, have the particular opportunities um, to really experience the true freedom of this nation. And, and that's what I, I like about um, uh, what you always say, um, where you always talk about equal, um, equal opportunity for all. Um, that, that's one slogan that has always uh, stuck with me. I, I know I'm not saying it right. I know you'll be able to say it much better. Uh, but, but, but how you talk about um, uh, making... Oh, I think make, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, making America... Greatness accessible and affordable for all. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. That, well, you know, that's the big challenge. Everybody yeah. keep telling you know, we, this slogan, make America great again. America is great. Doesn't have to be made great again. It's great. Our challenge is making that greatness accessible and affordable for all. Yep. If you think about it, uh, think about all of the creations uh, of great things, of great contributions we made. It's a great country. Uh, it's just that a few people have tried to keep all the greatness to themselves uh, and not share that greatness with everybody. So that's what we've got to do uh, is create mechanisms, uh, get involved to make that greatness accessible and affordable for all. The internet is a great thing. Great thing. Uh, it's just not accessible and affordable for mm -hmm. everybody. We've got a great healthcare system. It's just not accessible and affordable for everybody. So that's what it is. That, that's what I, uh, that's my goal in life. As you remember, I've had these billboards up because uh, your grandmother uh, always showed me, I don't care what you do. You can buy all the TV ads you want to buy. You can buy all the radio ads you want to buy. But when you're out here running for office, I want to see billboards. I want to see you put up billboards. I don't know why she always wanted that, but I always give that to her. So anytime, even when I'm not running, sometimes I put up billboards. And that's my favorite billboard. No picture, just that slogan. It, yeah, it's just that slogan. I think it's because when we always used to, when when, when grandma used to always uh, drive around with us, uh, or, you know, drive us around to the movies and stuff like that, she always paid attention to billboards. And I think, I think a lot of people, you know, coincidentally, they'll kind of look up, you know, maybe they'll, they'll stop at a stoplight and then they'll look up and they'll, they'll read a quick billboard. So the fact that it just says that slogan, I think that that, that really um, is memorable for a lot of people. But I, I think I think she had a good, I think she had a good, good idea. And I, I hope that I know, well, I hope, because I know you will keep it going. Um, oh, I will. And one of the things I was very appreciative of is uh, uh, Joe Biden knew that about Emily. And um, uh, after she passed away, he called me one day and said, I, I want to do something uh, to honor Emily, and I hope you don't mind. And I said, well, no, I don't think I will. What is it? 
is I'm going to put up some billboards uh, in her memory. And he did. He put up about four or five billboards, one down in Charleston, one over in Sumter, one in their hometown of Monkstown, and one here in, may have been two here in Columbia. Uh, and I thought that was a very nice touch on this part. Well, let's think about the future. I'm, you know, one of my other themes I, I mentioned earlier that I've highlighted four people for Black History Month, and I mentioned two of them, uh, Robert Smalls and uh, Frederick Douglass. Mm -hmm. Now, the other two people I'm highlighting uh, during this Black History Month, I suspect I'm going to be highlighting them a lot. Uh, even in future Black History Months. Uh, but only one of them is Black. And the other one is not. And there's Thomas Edison, who was white, and Louis Latimer, who was Black. Now, if I talk to school children and ask them, who invented the light bulb? Most of them will remember that they were taught that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. And they would be half right mm -hmm. uh, because he did invent the light bulb. But the light bulb uh, ain't much good without a filament. And though he invented the bulb, he couldn't get the bulb to stay on until somebody told him about this guy up in Boston, Massachusetts, who had come up with this carbon filament. And they thought that that might be the answer to his problem. And Thomas Edison, the white guy, went up to Boston, Massachusetts and found Louis Latimer, the black guy, whose parents had escaped from slavery. And this guy had this filament. And Thomas Edison and Louis Latimer collaborated. The two of them, the white guy and the black guy, got together, put aside their differences. And together, Thomas Edison's light bulb, Louis Latimer's filament, have lit the world. Now, just like you mentioned earlier, because of things being as they are, everybody knows about Thomas Edison. Just like everybody knows about Frederick Douglass. Few people know about Louis Latimer, like few people know about Robert Smalls. Now, I put that out because it is obvious that the reason Thomas Edison gets all the credit and Louis Latimer doesn't get much is because Thomas Edison was the white guy. Everybody paid attention to the white guy. But it's not always racial because Smalls doesn't get much credit, as much credit as Frederick Douglass gets. Mm -hmm. In fact, I meet people all the time now who never heard of Robert Smalls. But uh, both of them were just as important to the cause. So you don't have to always get the credit to have the importance. Louis Latimer may not get the credit, but he was just as important 
Not only that, the first book written in this country on electricity was written by Louis Latimer. And Louis Latimer created light, street lights, city lights in New York and Philadelphia, Montreal, Canada, and London, uh, London England. Louis Latimer, the black guy, son of the slaves. So that's what Black History Month means to me. It means making contributions irrespective of whether or not you make, get the credit. Goodman wasn't looking for any credit when he ran down that hallway and steered those insurgents away from the Senate chambers. When he ran up uh, to senators uh, in the hallway, uh, directing them to get away uh, from the danger uh, that was out there that besieged them. He made tremendous contributions, not trying to get credit. But as I say to you all all the time, uh, you know, you just do uh, what you know to do. Find things to do for which you're not paid. People will see you. They will recognize it. Uh, Goodman wasn't played uh, to uh, do what he did. He saw it as part of his duty uh, to do it the way that he did it. Mm -hmm. Nobody would have blamed him if he had sought shelter to get out of the way of the insurgents. But he would not have been able to live with himself if he did. And so he made his contribution. And that's what Black History Month is me, means to me. Mm -hmm. And then if we just do what we're supposed to do, uh, somebody will notice it. And they'll, they'll, they'll find ways to show their appreciation. Okay. And so, and then, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that and you make a, a great point um, because um, you know, my, my generation lives in a, a very social media based world um, where a lot of individuals do a lot of acts, not for themselves, but for the recognition of others. Um, and, and so we, we, we need to take that, that, that mindset that, that your generation had of doing things not not for what we now call clout, um, not for you know fame and, and, and recognition, but more for fighting for a particular cause. Yes, at the end of the day, you may eventually get paid for what you do, but at the heart of what you're doing, you need to do it for the love of it. So for example, you know, I, I didn't do, of course I, I worked for Pete, of course you get paid to do what you have to do, um, you know, as a staff, as you know, as a member of the staff. But at the core of what I was doing was trying to get, uh, especially black youth like myself, out to vote. Um, going from HBCU to HBCU, from technical college to technical college to high school to high school, uh, preaching about the importance of the vote and having your, your voice heard 
um, and and really preaching to the um, the eventual consequences that that could ensue if we don't get out to vote. Um, and a lot of people would always ask me. Um, it would be like, uh, you're, you're just voting, you, you know, you're just working for, uh, for Pete because of this, because of that, because of, you know, whatever. But I said, no, if, even if I wasn't um, recruited to be on a, a, on a campaign, I would have volunteered for anything um, because that's how important the, the 2020 election was uh, to me whoever it was, you know, the goal was to honestly just get rid of a eventual, uh, it was on its way to, you know, authoritarian rule. And, you know, I know you talked about it a lot where you, you saw a lot of um, uh, similarities between other authoritarian figures such as you know i don't like saying his name but but like hitler and and i agree with you because i remember you telling me about that a long time ago um and even then i was i was not skeptical but i like evidence and so i watch documentaries and and things of that nature and there's this thing on uh netflix called how how to start a, a coup uh, which talks about a lot of uh, authoritarian figures like Mussolini, Stalin, and things of that nature. And the same tactics that he used um, and from 2016 to, um, to 2020, it's the same, it's the same handbook. It's, it's the same, it's the same framework. And, and so when, when people say, Oh, you're just doing this because of that. I, I say no, no way. You know, uh, you know, you need to get the bills paid. You know, got to eat, things of that nature. But at the end of the day, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it for any of that because what, what I saw on TV and the tactics that I saw used um, on a daily basis, it, it, it scared me. It, it scared me. And you, you want to turn that fear and that anxiety into action. And, and that's what I want to, uh, you know, tell a lot of people on your your podcast that, yes, you you were fearful, yes, you were anxious, yes, you were you're in pain, but you channeled that energy, that negative energy, and turned it into something positive. And that's why we're working towards a, a, a more positive path now. Uh, so a shout out to 80 million people uh, from around the United States of America. Uh, for getting out there and, and, and showing that 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 we can do this together as a nation, so that that, that was a big thing for me. Well, I'm glad you got there on your own. I uh, you do. I'm glad you remember. Uh, it was way back. Uh, uh, the first time I sounded that alarm, I think, was January uh, 2018. As you know, the election was in 2016, mm -hmm. and of course. Um, uh, Trump took office uh, in the, uh, uh, January uh, of 2017. His State of the Union address in 2018, the night before the State of the Union, I participated some others in a pre-buttle, at which time I warned that this guy was not planning 
to give up uh, this office that he was putting in place a totalitarian form of government, uh, autocratic form of government, if you please. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was asked, I was on Don Lemon's show on CNN when I said it. And Don Lemon asked me that night, are you comparing uh, Trump uh, to Adolf Hitler? I says, no. Uh, Putin is Hitler in this comparison. I'm comparing Trump to Mussolini. Uh, and um, sure enough, when Trump came out of the hospital with COVID-19 and walked up on the Truman balcony and looked out over uh, the spants or the backyard, or I call it the backyard, the lawn of the um, White House, two or three people the next morning called it a Mussolini stance. Mm -hmm. But I said that two years earlier because I saw the patterns. Now, I didn't see the documentaries uh, that you, you saw. I got to start watching these documentaries. I, I spend a little time, more time in that learning my stuff. I, I be reading these books. No, no. I mean, honestly, book, books are better, but you know, I, I like my TV. So I might, if I'm gonna watch <laughs> it, then I might as well do it for a reason. So that, yeah. that, that's my whole thing. Well, that's great. Well, you know, everybody got different ways of learning. How, just learn it. You know, I, you know uh, I read the book because a lot of times I'm in the truck traveling, you know, especially now because uh, I have not been flying. I've been going back and forth to Washington by surface. And so I sit there in the back seat of the, uh, of the SUV and um, I read. It gives me six hours on the road, six and a half hours usually. Uh, to get caught up on my reading and stuff. And sometimes I'm uh, I'm zooming back there too because I can pull out my device now. I got the thing wired so that I can... Uh, I did a, a, a town hall meeting on my way home last last week. Uh, I did a town hall meeting. You get so, real technical savvy nowadays. Well, you know, <laughs> thanks to you, I'm getting there. <laughs> but you and Cashmere kind of got me going. But thank you. Well, look, man, um, I know our time is about up, but I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast today. We uh, we got to do this more often. Yeah. I know you're my neighbor, but I, uh, I don't see you that much. I don't know whether or not you don't stay in the neighborhood or I don't stay in the neighborhood. But. No, I, um, you know, I work at, um, I, I work for, uh, you know, one of those companies who is, uh, um, producing the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. And um, I actually talked to, um, you know, the CEO is very different. He actually goes around and, and talks to different departments. He's not just up in the, you know, high up, whatever. He, he actually likes to sit down and talk to the people because he used to be in opposition. And he talked to us about um, how uh, we're starting trials on Monday. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. We're starting oh, trials on Monday. so. Um, we've, we've been real busy with that, talking with um, uh, hospitals and surgery centers and things of that nature. But, um, you know, also, it's midterms. I went back to school. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm getting my, trying to get my master's in uh, international studies um, uh, with a, 
concentration and conflict management. Um, so I've been, you know, getting my butt cut, uh, trying to write these papers. You know, I'm, okay. I'm, not, I'm not as good as you, but I'm, 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 I'm working on it. Um, so that's uh, only because you're not as old as I am. When you get as old <laughs> as I am, you'd be, you'd be much better than I am. So you just keep <laughs> yeah. working on it. Yeah, we're um so that that's what I I've been busy with, but I should be done within the next week, um so I can go go next door and annoy you until you realize that okay this man's kind of annoying. Me <laughs> no, bit. you keep working on COVID nineteen. We got to get beyond this pandemic. Yeah, and everybody's got to find their their niche in life. Yeah, it should be around late. Fingers crossed, late February, early March. Oh, great. When we should, when we should uh, really, really uh, get things going. So fingers crossed on that, because I'm, I'm ready to go out and live good. life, just like uh, a lot of people around the world are, are ready to do as well. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, well, but I just wanted to say one thing. Sure, buddy. Um, you talked about the State of the Union, right? Funny thing. The first, What's that? Another... I'm starting to realize as I as I grow up, you are a very funny character, my friend. Uh, you, you, so there's one part where you talked about the State of the Union, right? Where uh -huh. um, it was 2018. You may not have known it because I know your your detail is not really into social media and stuff like that. But I know you maybe your team told you you were a meme on uh, Twitter. You're a meme. There's a there's a picture of you, not a picture of you, but a little, you know, segment of a video. That's basically what a meme is, um, where it shows him talking, you know, delivering his address, <laughs> and then it cuts to you, and you just sitting here like shaking your head. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you shaking your head in disappointment, and a whole bunch of people sent me sent me the meme they're like oh your your granddad's you know uh, a, a meme now and i i meant to tell you about it and i, I totally it totally slipped my mind uh but it's just you just i mean utter disappointment i mean just it was one of those um type of sh head shakes that you do when I was little and I would do something silly and you would just be like, what? Just like, what are you doing? It was the same one. So I just, it so was you were very familiar with that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I know. I, I found out about that because somebody uh, told me that Trevor Noah uh, started that or put That's that on his show yep. or something. And so I got a lot of calls about it. And then for some reason, it's, it's come up again. The last couple of days, I think your mother sent it to me. Somebody it started circulating that, uh, that meme again. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'm glad to see that people are beginning to, because he's now gone. But I don't think this thing is over. Uh, I think that um, we're going to have to spend some time uh, on this, uh, even after this trial is over. We know what the foregone conclusion that it's going to be about but i hope people have awakened uh to ex exactly how serious this issue is right uh we came very close to losing uh this country as we know it uh but you it's going to be your generation uh, and maybe your mothers uh the generation between me and you 
you all got to come together uh, and hopefully before those of us who are, I'm in my eighth decade now, so uh, you guys going to have to um, keep the fight going and, uh, and really do what's necessary to help this country's greatness uh, get distributed to everybody. So thank you so much for being here with me today. And uh, don't forget uh, that motto. I took it from Liberty and Justice for All, uh, which is the last phrase of our Pledge of Allegiance, making this country's greatness accessible and affordable for all. And thank you so much, AC, for what I know you're going to do uh, to keep this pursuit uh, going. We'll get there. We definitely, we definitely will. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, I, I see, you know, many, uh, many people in my generation um, waking up to, to, to what, what needs to be done, and you know, a lot are frustrated and angry, and, and have every right uh, to feel that way. Um, but like I said before, just like we did in the 2020 election, we just need to hone those negative feelings um, and turn them into positive change. And I, I know I know that time is coming. It may not be today, but it'll be very, very soon. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being here with me. And thanks to all of you who are listening uh, to this edition of Clyburn Chronicles. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clyburn Chronicles. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a comment. And don't forget to subscribe to my show wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Congressman Jim Clyburn.